welcome back to another episode of Bold Perceptions, your favorite podcast, or if not yet, soon to be favorite podcast. On today's episode, Nick and I talked to Doof, who met Nick while traveling over in Italy, and she's a very interesting person. She's a pageant winner at the Grand Rapids pageant. She's Miss Grand Rapids. Uh, she's a traveler, blogger, very authentic <clears throat> human. Um, she shares a lot. She makes herself pretty vulnerable and opens up on the podcast about her life. She has a crazy story about her upbringing, um, her immigration story. She is uh, a princess, I think, in Nigeria. And so overall, it's just a great conversation with her. Um, and so I think you guys will all enjoy it. It's pretty relatable. For most people, the things she goes through and the things she shares. And so make sure you guys uh, share this episode with somebody as well. Share it with one person that you think might get something out of it. And just uh, enjoy the episode. And so I hope you guys are all staying safe and healthy out there. Hopefully the world starts opening back up for us here soon. And so we can start doing the things we love to do. And so enjoy. Okay, we're back in black, and uh, today, today I'm sitting on a balcony. It's a pretty sweet view, huh, Jake? Looking good, man. Looking real good. <laughs> Looking cozy. I appreciate it. It's beautiful out here, man. Living so Italian, and our guest today should be living so Italian. I met her a couple months ago in Italy while she was studying abroad. Um, she obviously got sent home because of the coronavirus, but she's quite the character. She's kind of a, a kind of a wild child, um, studies, uh, child development, which is quite interesting. Very, a uh, lot of good energy, a lot of, uh, deep thinking. I like that about her fashionista, fashionista. She's a traveler, done a lot of neat stuff. Um, something with the pageant, Miss Grand Rapids thing, or one of those. And uh, today we're going to get into some, some interesting things because she's starting a blog. Um, her poetry, she's been writing poetry, uh, kind of expressing herself. She's had a very crazy story. So now she's kind of putting it into writing. And I've been telling her, I'm like, you got to do something with this poetry. You got to put it out there. You got to push it. And it's neat with this uh, quarantine. A lot of people are starting to, you know, do projects and do things they've, they've wanted to do. And and she's doing it. So we're going to promote that and, and we're going to get into it nice and deep. So Doof, I can't say your full name. How do you say it? My full name is Doofante Yotenyamo or Doof because I'm a goof. Whatever works out. Now you're in, uh, you're back home, right? You got sent yes, home. I, I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I sat home, what, March 2nd. The government gave us about four days to evacuate the country. And um, it took 41 hours to get back to the U.S., but we got back home safely. We had our mask and gloves on and we're sanitized and everything. So it worked out for us in the long run. Yeah, kind of shoot our listeners um, a little background about you. You know, who are you? What makes you special? What makes me special? I've been asked this question so many times. Um, I, to start, just my, my cultural background, I guess, is my, my biggest identifier I was born in Nigeria, uh, adopted as an infant. Story behind that, we'll touch base on a little bit later, I'm sure. But um, 
I've just really gotten to a point now that I've started to really look at myself and start thinking about like where I'm trying to go and what I want to do. And it all starts from my childhood of getting to know like what child development was and what I enjoy about it. And then starting to understand like my community and how they affect me directly. And once I realized I didn't like the community I was in, I started traveling around and experiencing what other communities had to offer. And it really started to develop a sense of confidence in myself and how I want to start interacting with others and what my legacy is going to turn out to be. Nice answer. But um, so you went to school, weren't you a, a track star? Um, yeah. The pageant yeah. thing. Hit on went that. to Central Michigan University, started off uh, running track there. I love sports. They've been part of my life since I was about six years old. But I really didn't enjoy track and field. So I ended up quitting track and switching majors from speech language pathology to child development. Now the big end goal is to become a forensic analyst or a forensic interviewer. So um, if you watch Criminal Minds, Olivia Benson, not Criminal Minds, um, Special Victims Unit, Olivia Benson, the one that interviews the children when they've gone through some trauma, that job and really getting into the political side of what my degree is. Um, been at Central for about three and a half years now. I don't really necessarily have anything good things to say about the university itself, but I appreciate the education, the opportunity to have been at Central and doing what I've done. So we're looking into some other options. I've studied at uh, University of Modena in Reggio Emilia in Reggio Emilia Italia, and I've studied there twice now. So it's been a good experience for education. Fascinating stuff. Um, so you said you met Nick overseas, but and you said you weren't liking the situation there at home. What kind of pushed you to get out and go travel? To get out and go travel seemed very, very simple. A simple idea. I come from a background of uh, Nigerian immigrants that have been coming to the U.S. since the 60s. And so traveling was always just a part of me. We have a family reunion in different states every year called MUTA, or the Mutual Union of Teeth Americans. And it's the people from my tribe that are in the U.S. coming together and creating forums to help our community back there. And um, traveling throughout the states really started out like my enjoyment of traveling. But uh, the big push for the European adventure that I embarked on in 2018 was um, was my father. He is he's had cancer, malaria twice, pneumonia, hepatitis B, C, and he's had uh, three open heart surgeries, I believe. So it's a lot of health issues. And when he was going through chemo this last time around, he was like, Dofenta, you can't live your life based off other people. I know that you love me and you want to be here for me, but what is this going to do for you once this is all over? Who, who are you going to have once this is all done? And I, I didn't have an answer to him. I didn't know how to even start thinking about answers to him. And so I got <laughs> last minute. It took me like two months to get everything squared away, but I ended up getting all my visa stuff put together. I lost my Nigerian citizenship um, as a child. So it, I didn't have any issues when it came to that with traveling. And I signed up to study at Reggio, University of Reggio Emilia because of their educational background. Reggio Emilia has 
some amazing, amazing insights on child development and how kids need to be seen as a citizen rather than just a student. They get their kids really involved with the arts, like things that they use recycling centers called like the Remita Center there, which is a whole whole podcast in and of itself. Um, and they really just value making sure children are involved in every aspect of what's happening around them. It's easy just to push them aside and say they don't understand, but in order to teach them, we have to be able to dive into what we don't want to explain to them. So traveling there really stemmed from my family and how my family wanted me to do good things for myself rather than get caught up in the lifestyle that was surrounding me here in Grand Rapids. I like that. I like that a lot. And that's what I really got from you, that kind of traveler free spirit. I know we hung out in uh, Rimini, smoking shisha, drinking wine, and and you got uh, very, you're very open. And then you started telling me about your story and, and why you do what you do. And uh, a couple of times I'm like, this is, there's, this is bullshit. I can't believe it. And all of a sudden you're pulling up articles, you're showing me this and that. I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, it was, it was a really, it was very interesting, but I admire that about you being so open. Now, is this kind of, uh, the effect, uh, your life has had the things you've been through. Is that really why you chose this, uh, childhood study thing with the, the young kids? I chose child development. I, I say that it was all this like, oh, insight and early understanding of myself, but I just hated my mom. Like I didn't, I didn't like my mom. And I, I looked at how she raised me and I, I got so upset and I held so much resentment towards her. And I got into child development to try to figure out why, like, why did I choose, like, why did my mom choose to raise me the way that she did? And I had a professor there um, in a class last spring uh, called Fieldwork or Fieldwork 219. And uh, Dr. Jeff and Jara, he looked at all of this and he was like, the easiest way to crash in this profession is to root your work in finding yourself. And it was a slap in the face because my whole life I was like, oh, child development, blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna figure out how to help kids and then I'll understand why I'm the way I am and all this other stuff. And it started getting so exhausting like every action and every piece of me that I was giving to cases that I worked on was just exhausting. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to give like every part of you towards the cases or things you're working on, but it got detrimental to my growth because I was giving pieces in me that weren't completed yet. Like I didn't have an idea of what I wanted or what to do. And I can't help others if I couldn't help myself. It didn't seem right. It didn't seem I was giving all these people answers. I was working at a homeless shelter, um, Isabella County Restoration House, and I was helping these people and it was so rewarding. But at the end of the day, I would go to myself and be like, why can't you, you tell these people so much knowledge? You have so much wisdom. Why are, why are you setting yourself back then? Like, what, what is that? So once I, I had that, about the spring of last year, I got to a point where I started acknowledging my actions and what things in things that I was like upset about, or if I was really happy, what individual pieces of that made me actually happy or actually upset and navigating what in my past connected to those things really helped me take my degree to a point where I was using it. I wasn't just going to class and passing things and 
in looking at these seminars, I was really using it and applying it to things in my life. And that's really what education is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be this, I'm taking an online math class and I have an app that solves all the problems for me and just throwing it in, it became um, a lifestyle rather than a, a choice. And I, a, a big part of me had always seen my degree and my success as a personality trait. And it's, it's not, it was something that I allowed other people to put on to me. And like, what was I trying to achieve was always how other people would see it. Like, oh, they see me helping these people. She's doing so great. But it always came back to like, okay, I'm helping these people. I'm doing all of these things, but I'm still not comfortable with myself. So how, what's the next step? What, what, what can I do to use this information to help myself as well? Hold on. Yeah, that's um, some good points. And I think we had some, some deep talks and like epiphanies kind of came out from it for you and you've been in having them. And I find it fascinating how a lot of people from like an outside picture like, look at you. You were um, the Grand Rapids model uh, pageant thing. You've been traveling, you know, fashion girl, good looking, track, school. Like, it looks like from the outside view, you got it all together and you're helping kids and they're looking to you for wisdom. But um, a lot of these kind of people are going through a lot of shit themselves. And uh, I found that kind of very interesting talking with you. And um, now tell us, you know, some of these epiphanies that you kind of reached and you got some from traveling and, and seeing different things. Yeah. With, with traveling, I think I, those are the, the bigger ones. I've had most of my big ones while I was out walking the streets of Pisa by myself. And, and um, I, I wrote a poem that and it says, when you travel, you realize that time and passion are interchangeable. And that right there is a glass half full or half empty statement to perceive. So it's this first time abroad was, was supposed to be so awakening and spiritual and I was supposed to love it. And I did, I, I can't say that I, I regret any of those actions, but when I got back and I came back to Grand Rapids and nothing changed, everyone was the same way. I, I realized that, that that first time abroad was from other people. I wanted other people to see me doing it. It was it was a way of like making people know like, wow, I'm doing good things. This little black girl from Grand Rapids is creating her own melodrama. And then it it I spiraled. I want that's this is around I came back uh, January of last year and this is around the same time I had the class with Dr. Njera and I was in a bad place and, and no one understood. They were like, you just traveled through Europe. You've been to 16 different countries. You did it. You're studying while you're doing it. Like you look beautiful. You're having an amazing time. And I was like, yeah, I did. And I came back and none of it meant anything. It just kind of was stagnant. I was going to school. I was waking up. I was working two jobs. And I got to a point where I was like, why, why am I doing any of this? Is it for me? Is it, is it for all these other people that are around me? And it was always, always other people. I, I had a, I had something to prove to everyone. And that ties back into this small hometown. I graduated with 700 plus kids and I was the only black girl to graduate in my class. I didn't have any experiences of, of being like, I did have experience of being welcome. I can't say I didn't have any, but I was inherently different than the people around me. So I was always proving myself. And that's where it ties back to doing track because people, I, I was supposed to do track. I was supposed to be fast. And 
I was doing pageants and being this, this, the token black girl is what I, I said that I was. I, I looked good on paper and that was what people needed to see. And I was working at diner, both the diners, I uh, corner bar in Rockford and Arnie's in Rockford and people knew me, knew me in my community. And I was like, that's cool, but is it fulfilling? Like, are you doing this because they, it's expected out of you or are you doing this because you really enjoyed being at the forefront of all of these different parts of your life? And once I decided to address that, this next time around of studying abroad, a little snippet that I, I don't haven't really talked about a lot. I don't think it's something I've really wanted to address, but obviously it's going to have to happen sooner or later. I ended up hosteling myself in a mental institution in October of last year. And everyone was like, why? Like, what's wrong? Blah, blah, blah. They were like, why are you doing this? And I was like, my whole life, I have been doing such cool things and things that are outside the box, traveling more countries than people will even think about in their lives. I was doing pageants. I was making a name for myself. I was a rookie on the roster at Central and I was placing at these meets and I was doing all this stuff, but it didn't matter. Like it didn't, nothing, nothing mattered. It was all, it always was for other people. And I, I got into the hospital and I was like, I'm not talking to anyone. These people are in the loony bin. I don't want any of this heat. No, no one's going to ever know about this. And I was there and I, I was dealing with some major mommy issues, like major mommy issues. And I was there and I, and I, this was the universe screaming at me. One, don't judge a book by its cover, but two, Every single person in there had quote unquote mommy issues. Every single person, like every person had, when we were sharing in our group talks was something about like something that related to their mother. And I was like, oh, like this is, this is real. This is something that hurt me. And then I had gotten out of the hospital and my mom, I think the radical intervention that I decided to do really got to her. And I decided this time around studying abroad, it was going to be for me. It, it, the education was important, obviously. Like I, I value my education, but I needed to do this for me to find a sense of myself. And I did. I, I was there for two months and I had more growth in spiritual awakening in those two months than I did the years that I had thought I was dealing with my emotional stress. You're very self-aware. I like it. Um, what? So, what did you do different the second time around to you know that make it that you're doing it for yourself? Because it was the spiritual awakening. You can't really like force that stuff, and it sounds like you were at first. So, what did you change the second time around? And hold on, let me add to that. I think it's it's fascinating the points you're making about external like validation and doing it for everyone else instead of doing it for you internally. And it seems like you started figuring it out. And then on top of that, you had, you know, a lot of shit going on in your life outside of your control. So you're dealing with these two different things, but back to Jake's question. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely was, was caught up in the idea of this was a, uh, once again, letting outside things from become internalized was everyone else seemed to be, be doing it. Everyone else on, on the gram and on Twitter seemed to be finding all these spiritual things to 
start talking about and dealing with and you're seeing people follow their horoscopes and all this stuff and I was like I want that like that seems fun I I really I really everyone looks so happy and like they're they're doing some amazing stuff and so I really forced myself into this idea of like oh I'm woke I I know myself I love myself like this is great I shaved my head I the natural the black power my black sisters all this stuff and I I was like man one I would miss my hair I was upset (laughs) I didn't have that anymore but after I realized that I was, I was still doing things for other people, I was like, girl, like, when, when are you going to learn your lesson? And that, that sentence, when are you going to learn your lesson, was a pivotal moment. I, I figured once I was aware of myself and I thought about myself, I was done. I was good. For the rest of my life, I'm set. Like, I, I know how to think about things and how to be aware of myself. But life is consistently going to be lessons. And a lot of them are going to be out of my control. And if I don't get in the mindset of things are out of my control, but I'm only accountable for myself, I, that, that's going to help me. That's, that's what's needed to, to start growing. So once I got to Italy this time around, I, won, I reached out to the people that I had made connections with the last time I was there. And I was like, hey, I might not, I'm in Reggio. I might not be around as much as I was last time. Um, but I'm letting you know that I appreciate like the fact that you're here for me and you've always supported me through the years of me coming back to the States. And I started traveling by myself. I wouldn't tell my roommates where I was going. I wouldn't, I would let them know like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be gone for the day, but I'll be back. And they'd always ask me questions. And they didn't like me at first. I, I, I'm like you said, I'm pretty blunt. <laughs> I'm very self-aware. And I, I was like, I don't owe that to you. I had to say these things out loud. I don't owe it to you to tell you where I'm going. And at first I thought that was me being mean. And I was, I was just trying to be like catty and not share what I was doing. I was doing something sneaky or shady, but physically saying those words helped me so much. And I would get to like, I, I would play Russian roulette is what I call it. And I would just buy train tickets to a random city near me. And I would, I would just walk around with no plans, nothing. I would just see something that intrigued me. And maybe I would sit outside of it and journal or I'd go to a cafe and get something to eat there. It, it made me realize that I, I was capable of doing these things on my own. And I had rooted my my identity in traveling for others, achieving things for others. But I was able to get up and not tell anyone what I was doing, not put my my goals or my aspirations out for everyone. I was able to accomplish those things. And then when I would get back to my apartment, a little old Reggio, they'd be like, dude, what did you do today? I saw on your Snapchat story, it looks so beautiful. And I was like, man, I just I've just walked. I didn't do anything. I just walked. And they didn't get it. They didn't understand. They're like, you're just walking? Like, you didn't, like, who were you meeting? I was like, no one. I met myself a couple of times. That was amazing. But I didn't, I didn't need anyone in that moment. And that's, that, having been able to just say that I can rely on myself, that was when I felt like I was more um, emotionally available to help those girls as I was there. Like, these are girls that this is their first time out of the country, some of them, like the first time leaving home for long periods of time. 
and it's, it didn't feel like my responsibility anymore to help them. It felt like I was able and capable of sharing something with them and giving them the little knowledge that I do feel like that I had in whatever situation they were in. <clears throat> That's great. That's great. Solo travel. I think it is um, a cheat code to help find yourself more. I really do. And I think everyone should try it because it's just you. It's just you, the clothes you got on, your, your backpack, and in a foreign city, you don't know nobody, usually don't know the language, and you just find yourself. And I like the point you made, so you brought it up kind of uh, earlier, is that once you are able to kind of find peace within yourself and, and understand yourself more, you're more able to help other people. Um, Jake, what do you think about that? I know Doof is charging her phone right now. <laughs> um. Well, as I say all the time, I want to start traveling because I do. I think that's a great way. And I've always been you know, a little worried about going traveling and doing it myself because I always like to usually do something with somebody else. But from talking with you, Skylar, and now Doof, it just sounds like you said, like a cheat code. And it just sounds interesting to kind of just put yourself in a foreign situation and just completely rely on yourself to figure it out. Yeah, now Doof. For our listeners here, because this is something everyone struggles with, is, is doing things for other people and and uh, not finding that kind of internal happiness and instead, you know, relying their happiness on everything external. How did you really kind of figure it out or start to figure it out that your happiness depends on, you know, yourself? And we talked about this, me and you, Doof, about, you know, you're traveling, you're doing all this crazy stuff, and then you go back to the hometown and you're like, this is boring. I need to go adventure and live. But what I've been working on is trying to figure out how to to keep that travel spirit, to keep that, you know, freshness about life and that energy wherever I'm at. It don't matter what's going on externally. It happens internally, that happiness. I think for me, the last year getting out of the hospital and my mom really opening up to me about things that were hap that had happened prior and just even family drama, I realized how similar my mom and I were. And I saw her and I was like, mom, some of these people have hurt you. Like you have been taken advantage of, you have been broken down and you are still always giving to people that don't even deserve a second chance sometimes. Like you, you are always doing this. And I was like, I'm the same way. The only difference is You've had 50 years to perfect your craft and I'm 20 and I'm trying to figure out how to get a boy to like me. Like those are, those are the differences that I was seeing. And when I got to that point of like, one, being able to go to my mom when I was having moments where I felt exhausted and I couldn't help people, I was able to pull myself out of the mindset that my actions were me trying to help people or do things for other people. I think it's not it's not a bad thing to want to help people. It's not a bad thing to want to do things for others. The problem is when you're trying to be a fixer rather than a helper. And I that's that was my main issue. I was always trying to fix people and I was if it wasn't just like fixing them directly, it was fixing their idea of me. It was not it wasn't it wasn't something that I felt I was doing in a good heart. I was doing it out of a bad place. And with the things that you and I have talked about, we've, I, I have, my poetry has been a big part of, of that identification of 
myself and my actions. And Jake, I believe you were talking about a um, moment you had with your psychologist and how um, you were talking about journaling and how sometimes people get so worked up about journaling and you just gotta write, just gotta write things down and, and, and let the things that you're trying to manifest come out on paper. And you don't have to have any idea of what's going on or what, or what you want to say. You just need to be able to write and giving that moment of vulnerability to yourself and allowing yourself to like feel like exactly what is going through you really starts giving you insight of how to share and develop those things with others because you can't live life alone. I'm not saying like don't rely on others at all, like well, like be independent. But if you can't, if you don't know what's going on with yourself and you can't identify those things with yourself you're almost projecting onto other people and their situations and how they're dealing with things. And then it doesn't, it doesn't become about helping anymore. It that's, becomes about fixing. That's it's full circle. It comes about, you're trying to fix that person through the things you're not willing to acknowledge on your own terms and in your own life and your, your own ticks and, and things that really get to you. And I, I don't, I don't think I've even gotten to that point fully yet. I'm still in a mindset of where, I'm um, around my friends, my girlfriends, and my, my, my roommates. And with all the quarantine stuff happened, they aren't working, and they don't have they don't have any like actual security or surety of like what's going to happen next. And I definitely got when I first came back from Italy, since I had lost this adventure that I was going on, I forced myself into like a depressive state, and I wasn't acknowledging things. I was trying to just help them, like oh, help them be okay. And once I had gotten to that, like wow, like you're doing it again. Like you, you just so easy snapped right back into that mindset. It like, okay, like you, you got it. You realized it. Now, how are you going to actually use this information to better yourself and accomplish your original goal of helping your friends and be there for your friends? That's great. Um, you're trying to, to become the fixer instead of fixing like yourself dealing with the problem it's a way to not deal with the the issue and i like what you talked about with uh with writing and uh journaling and all your poetry and we're going to get into that soon because you just uh, started a blog but it's so true it helps you express and understand what the hell you're feeling and once you can become you know aware of that and understand it then you can attack the problem instead of focusing on not thinking about the problem whatsoever i got a question though how important was it to to stop um, being the victim and just take kind of accountability. I think it goes into this trying to fix everyone else instead of taking accountability for your own shit that's going on. I mean, did you blame your mother a lot? Did you blame about, oh, you're growing up in uh, all white town or other things? And did you come to a point where you said, no, it's it's on me? Yeah, man, I, that was, that was hard. I, I was in a dark place when I realized that my problems were mine, like they were me. I was creating problems out of everything. And I, I apologize to my mom all the time and, and try to send her some love letters because I got so caught up with people were hurting me. Like, why are these people hurting me? And I didn't realize I was hurting myself. Like my mom, that woman is a G. She's 20 plus years in the United States military, Lieutenant Colonel. United States Army. She is a Nigerian immigrant. She came to the U.S. with a baby and a husband and 
Now that woman is rolling out with a nice customized Mercedes, got a good old house with a beautiful lawn. And I see all that stuff. And I'm like, she made a name for herself and didn't make it about other people. This American dream that she was trying to accomplish, like it was for her and it wasn't for others. And, and she was trying to instill that into me at such a young age because like she knew that I was capable of like acknowledging it, but I was so caught up on like, why won't she let me just have fun? Like, why can't I do all these things? Like, why, why did she leave Nigeria and do all of this and, and get me to where I am if she doesn't want me to enjoy the luxuries that are placed in front of me? And I, I, like I said, grew up in a white town and I never, I didn't see any problem, not a problem. I didn't see any issues when I was growing up really. Like, yeah, there was every once in a while, go back to your country, do this, like, I got tough skin. Those things didn't bother me. It was when I got to my freshman year of college and I was running track and the, the track team was dominantly black. And I was hanging out with the cross country kids, which are characteristically normally white kids. And one of my African-American teammates looked at me and was like, why you always hang out with the white people? And I was like, what? Like, I'm just hanging out. Like, I'm just enjoying myself. I'm what's going on? And that's when I realized how much I played victim. I feel like I, one of the dominant things that I always had an issue with, with like my, my black peers was playing a victim in situations that like, no one's, no one's directly attacking you. Like, and that's what it, it always feels like when I hear that question, like, why you act white? Like, why do you speak like that? Like, which I get a lot, especially with my pageant stuff and always strive to be articulate. I try to speak through like my heart and, and get things out. It, I realized like how victimized, like my, a lot of my black peers made themselves. And then I was trying to like take myself out of that. I was like, well, I'm not like that. Like I don't resent white people for no reason. Like I don't have any of this. And then it was a realization that I was still right there being a victim that black people victimized me. Like I was, I was being attacked by this person and no one wants to learn anything when they're being yelled at. No one wants that. So me getting mad and lashing back out at the black guy and being mad and upset about how he's speaking to me and that he's saying stuff about like white people and stuff like that. Doing that was just as bad as being asked uh, such a ridiculous question as why do you hang out with white people? Putting myself in a position where I'm, I'm judging the situation and the, the interaction based off of the person being black or the person being white or anything like that, that was me victimizing myself because I, my identity was rooted in the idea that I am black. I'm the token black girl. I, I am, I've done it. But I, I'm also like, in a sense, like I'm white and in, in, in the standards of white being a personality trait, a, a type of way of living. Like that's how I was letting society get to me. I was saying like, oh, like, yeah, I do speak white, whatever, that's fine. Like, no, I'm articulate. When, at what point am I gonna start, stop saying, okay, okay, because black people that grew up in Detroit speak different than the way I do. I'm any better than them. Like what, where, where is that? How, how am I letting that drive me, I guess? And I, that moment of, okay, hey, like things are okay. You're, you're, you're working your way towards where you need to be. 
just don't, don't, I don't even know what word to use. Don't let that victim mindset set you further back than where you are, the way where you've gotten to. Like, yeah, things hurt. Pe- people are going to hurt you. That's life, baby. But that's, that's just how things happen. And once I get out of the idea, like, okay, that hurt me. So now I'm, I'm a broken person. I'm a bruised person. Like, no, that hurt me. Like, how, how is this a lesson? Like, how can I use those emotions? And at first I started to valid invalidating my emotions and, and saying like, oh, that didn't hurt. Like I've, I've got, I'm, I'm okay. But once I started like thinking, like, like I said earlier, like what parts of those things actually upset me and what things didn't bother me at all then I was able to be like, okay, like, I'm not a victim in any of this. Like, if people want to hurt you, want to attack you, then that's on them. How can you respond in a way that's going to help you benefit? This is a lot of, lot of good points. And <clears throat> I think it's, it's everybody. It's not like, and you came to a realization, your mother tried doing everything she could for you, but people are people. They're not purposely, you know, for the most part, trying to hurt you, especially your, your own kin. But I think um, kind of like what you just said about oh, what part of that did did it hurt me? And it's a, it's a whole idea about your reality is a mirror of like what you think of yourself, what you kind of feel internally, what you what you see. And uh, um, Jake, she's making a lot of good points, isn't she? Huh? There's, all, there's so much of it, huh? Yeah. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like your relationship with your mom got better as you formed a better relationship with yourself. Is that true? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely true. I I hated myself. Like, that's very blunt. And that used to hurt to say. Like, you know, when you see, like, you guys, I, I when I was listening to the last podcast, I had a lot of good thoughts come through. And this idea of Twitter and, every, and Reddit and everyone agreeing with your downfalls and life sucks and, man, everyone's out to get me, like, once I, I stopped thinking that way and started like thinking like loving, how do you love yourself? How do you start loving yourself? Like that, that changed my complete mindset, how I interacted with not just my mom, but with everyone, even my friends. Like I, I get caught up in, especially with pageants. This is something that pageants had a downfall in, in, in my growth, but also it's, it's been a big part of me um, was this idea of always looking good. I love looking good. I love getting dressed up. I love doing my makeup. I like this image of looking good, but it had never been for other people. And last year I really started looking good for myself. I would dress up going to class. I would, I would do my makeup even if I was just going to be sitting at home, which is something people are doing right now that I, I love seeing. And I was, I, 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 this ties back to the idea of like trying to be black and trying to go to completely different identity and, and shaving my head to be all natural and uh, not wearing fake nails and, and, and all that stuff. I was like, but you like that. Like, how, how did you let society twist that, that thing that you loved into something that was for other people? So once I started doing those things for myself and loving the idea of me and I love my wigs. I love my acrylics. Like I love looking good. Like once that was a me thing, that was a big part of like, Hey, like mom, I'm, I'm ready to talk. Like I have an idea of what, what's wrong and I'm ready to share that with you. And if you're willing to listen and she wasn't willing to listen at first, she, she 
then that's just her. She's 50 something years old and she is a strong woman with, with strong personalities in her military immigrant. She's in the medical field. She has a lot of strong traits that are, that tie into who she was. And when she realized that like, I actually was like, this was it. Like I was really growing. I wasn't just saying it for the 30th time that we Yeah. You weren't being a fake fixer. Like yeah. actually being real now. Yeah. Once I got there, I was like, man, girl, your mom's great. Your mom, your, your mom, no wonder everyone loves her. Like it's cause she's authentic people. She's I mom, I'm sorry for swearing, but you're just no bullshit. Like there's, there's no way to get away from a woman that powerful and strong and, that's part of the reason probably why I resented her so much is because I saw the strength that I wanted and I couldn't even fathom the amount of pain and hardship she had to go through to get there. And when I got to the point where I was being tested and I was put at those hardships, that's like the idea of like sharing my goals and getting to points of like reaching really big things. Once I got there and I was doing all of them for myself, I, I, I tied it back to my mom and I was like, mom, like, I'm you in all the best ways. Like you, you've really done a good job at making sure like there's lessons to be learned and I'm always going to be learning. I'm always going to be a student of life. Yeah. I get what you mean about how you gotta, you know, cause I, I didn't like myself. I was a drug addict for a few years and just hated myself. And then it just seems like life all around you just sort of crumbles. And so it's a process though, to get yourself back to liking yourself. And then once you do, you see life in a completely different perspective, kind of like how Nick said, it's a mirror of your uh, mindset. Nick, did you have something to say? Yeah, great point, Jake. I, I totally believe in you see you see things how you see yourself. You know what I mean? Like you shape that reality and, and your reality is, you know, you. So I think that is very neat. Now let's go into this blog that you started in quarantine. I'm so excited that you did that. You're doing something during quarantine and and I think a lot of people after they listen to this are going to want to to read what you write. I know I sent Jake uh, one of your pieces and he thought it was it was very well written. Now tell us kind of the idea, the name and, and what's going on with it. I don't think I, I have a name quite yet. I think every section is going to be um, titled something different based off of like what I was feeling in that moment. The last one was suffering and loudness and the idea of like, no one wants to talk about suffering and we all know it's inevitable and um i was reading uh the subtle art of not giving a fuck and um i i that's it's funny that i was reading it because i was reading it because other people told me to everyone else was reading it and it was like a bandwagon thing like oh i'm gonna get spiritual clarity from reading this book and this was spring of last year that i had this moment and i bought it in an airport in colorado and I was coming home from, I had taken a weekend trip to visit one of the girls I had lived with in Italy before. And I remember buying it only because I saw someone else reading it. And I was like, okay, well, they're reading it. And yeah, I think he was cute too. That was probably it. And I was like, yeah, I should get it too. And um, I stopped reading it. And when quarantine started, I was like, girl, like everyone else has goals and you're just sitting here. And that upset me because I was going back to like, oh, everyone else is doing something. Why aren't you? And I was like, read this for yourself. I left the book on my my, my counter um, next to my bed. And I was like, read this when you're at peace and you're ready to read it. And um, then the blog 
really came out and it was started to be an escape from emotions and like he talked about in the group chat before was about how my epiphanies seem essential to my growth like sharing them and and this idea that I've always had is like the root of my livelihood always was it takes a village but I've strayed away I physically have strayed away from like the hometown blues that I was creating and I realized how much I needed others to boost me up and I think this blog was a way of detaching myself from the the gratification that I wanted from others and letting myself like have the moment for myself and enjoying it for me but it was a way of get, getting back to my roots in a healthy manner and and tying back to how it does sometimes take a village it takes support and and finding that type of support is hard and something that I wasn't willing to acknowledge uh, there's um I I have it that I, I looked this up long ago like when this is my epiphanies first started and um there is a an issue in the psychological science magazine and it was talking about this idea of sharing goals before they're achieved and um then how that can be your biggest downfall like my family and my friends are my motivators and everything and, and i love them for that but i owe it to myself to accomplish things and the hours that i spent achieving these goals belonged to me they were mine authentically and wholeheartedly mine and I wasn't, man, I wasn't motivated to accomplish things. And that right there didn't hold me accountable for reaching any of my goals. I, when other people saw me not achieve things and they saw me not achieve it like right away, like right when I had talked about it, I got discouraged and like it became like, I was just feeding into the media's like sensationalized pour out of gratification and, and creating like, this weird energy around myself of like, well, since I didn't accomplish this goal I set, the way I had said I was setting, gonna do it, I can't accomplish it anymore. I can't get to that point anymore. And my blog really like helped me identify those things in myself and share them with others. Cause I know people are in the same, the same place as me, the same situation that I consistently find myself in. Yeah, I think uh, you got to read The War of Art, not The Art of War, but it talks about uh, the creativity in all of us and that it's our duty and our gift to, to share it with the world. And it becomes more therapeutic for yourself, finding yourself, um, the creating, the, it's the, the, the fulfillment you get from it. It's not a selfish act, you know what I mean? Because it, it does in turn help out other people to kind of motivate them or inspire them or or give them some clarity but in the end it is coming back on you it's your voice it's your your way of really expressing yourself and i know jake can kind of speak to this too can't you jake how this podcast is you know our blog and yeah 100 percent. and it's uh like you said it's very therapeutic after uh, doing a podcast i always feel kind of get like a high from it almost so um, and then I do also want to start blogging. Nick and I have talked about it a lot. And even just with journaling, it's a great way to face yourself because, I mean, if you can't put your own words on the paper and be honest with yourself, you're not going to be able to be honest with others and you're not really going to grow. Um, so, yeah, 100%. It's, it's very therapeutic and it's, it's uh, honestly a wonderful thing to be able to do. Doof, um, tell us more about, you know, where we can find your blog and kind of the big topics 
you're going to hit on? Is it basically like your, your internal journals that you're just throwing out there or, or what's kind of the theme? Yeah, I'd say internal journals is a good way to, to sum all of it up. I started writing to my mom, I would write letters to her about how mad I was or how sad I was, and then I'd burn them. I wouldn't give them to her. And um, as I got older, I found it even harder to communicate with her. I started, like, getting worked up and not being able to, like, articulate what I was feeling. It just was not who I was. And I, so when I was writing, I would start giving them to her at that point. And she still had some of them, like, hanging up in her bathroom because it was just a big part of who I, like, have become was she saw me like making the steps to actually grow like she's like it wasn't just me speaking on it anymore it was me putting it into writing making it concrete and um now I have the blog is on Facebook and um I'm setting up a medium account which medium if you even go on to it it's it has a lot of good just there's blogs there's short stories it's fiction nonfiction, everything and it's mom <laughs> that can be found on there um it's the adult version of what wattpad is what i like to say and i grew up um reading wattpad and and reading these unknown authors finding themselves through their their work and it it's something that i got back into once quarantine started and i really started thinking about like how was i adjusting my actions in order to actually make this happen for myself and I first started seeing the adjustment of actions and on the way that I was posted on Instagram I used to post an Instagram for like I said other people was so other people could see what I was doing and I saw like the way that I was posting and my captions and what I was sharing with people will start to change and and go to like the positive light of things and other people might not have seen it and might it still seem like I was I was just projecting and putting out all these cool things for them, but it became for me. And so that's why like being able to even post, like and get things up on Instagram, something that's like, it's so intimate that it's like almost fake and it's not real and getting the intimate side back to being realistic and something that like, yeah, I'm sharing all my happy moments and I, I am willing to share all of those too, but hey, if you need me to, to drop down and, and get to like the roots of of some darkness and some evil evil aspirations that I, I had for myself and for others, then I'm also willing to do that. And that goes back to the idea of like the victim. Like I, when I stopped playing the victim and stopped using my emotions as a reason why something was wrong with me and like why I, I felt attacked, that was that was my my moment of clarity. So Facebook right now, is the main posting source. I think a lot of people are um, from my family have been reading it, but I need to do a little bit more advertising my own part. But that goes back to how people see me. That I get nervous that like, oh, people are gonna see this as being annoying, but um, I should never, never be annoyed about advocating for myself. That should never even cross my mind. So me realizing that I've, I've gotten I've been researching different apps and how many places can I get my word out because it doesn't stop here. It's I'm 22 now. I just had my birthday and I've accomplished more in my 22 years. And some people even think about accomplishing their whole entire lives. And that was my, my moment of like, you're fine. You're doing good girl. Like don't rush this process. It's, it's it could take years from now to get this blog to where you're influencing the masses, but 
remember those those small people that did read it that it did help like there's always silent supporters that are out there and you need to make sure that you're doing this not just for yourself the way that you want it to but you're doing it in a way that it's actually working for others it's not you're just making the blog to do the blog because you're bored in quarantine it's you're making the blog because it means something to you and that that passion that you have for it can be shared with other people yeah, you got a lot of thoughts and a lot of things that I'm excited to to see written because I think it will resonate with a ton of people. Um, a point I wanted to make was writing makes it real. And I mean, whether you're journaling, writing affirmations, once you put it down on paper, it's it's there. It's it's actually alive. Um, Doof, what does the the future look like? You said you're young. You're 22. Um, you're graduating soon, uh, more traveling coming. Um, what's, what's it kind of looking like? The future is bright, man. I just this morning had this, this final, I shouldn't say final epiphany, but my, my breakthrough, I was looking at like ways to get out. I was like, if classes, I talked to you about this, if classes are online, I'm out of here. Like there's nothing here for me. And that right there, like, I'm here right now. Like, why am I not making it worth my while? Why am I not making these actions matter? And I was looking into moving to Bali and and, and the Virgin Islands and all of these things. And I, once again, made it for other people. I I, I didn't make it for myself. I was doing all this stuff. Like, where, where are cool places I could go that look good? And people are going to be so amazed that I did it. And that sucked because I was like, man really that many back steps backwards come on girl but the next step is is getting out and 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 finishing this education that i started prematurely with no idea of of how to how to maneuver it and and get it to where i was wanted it to be and making it my passion again because child development used to be like such a driver for me but i had realized i had used it as a toxic a toxic staple in my life and now i am i'm really gonna start making child development mine again um uh, the main one that's been sticking with me is um this assistance uh job down in south africa in cape town and um it's working with kids down there that are um that are in poverty and don't have very much for them that like in their families and the the voice that I could have to give to them like it seems it's it's calling me a little bit more so definitely more traveling my European adventures were cut short and I had been upset but I allowed myself to realize that everything does happen for a reason and the the moments that I'm having now are are gonna help me as I travel more and finish this education I I have this beautiful house that my mom and I have been renovating and I'm I, I have the means of helping myself and getting to this point, just making sure I root back to what started it in the first place is important. Hold on, Jake. You're a very interesting person, Doof. I'm, I'm glad I met you. It is amazing what kind of people you meet while traveling. You know, I think there's something with the whole traveling spirit and the, and the openness and the free thinking. So I appreciate your thoughts tremendously. I'm excited for your blog. I'll be reading it. I'll be supporting it. I think it'll make a big difference. Jake, do you have some final thoughts on, on meeting Do for the first time? Of course. 
Uh, yeah, so thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing everything. Uh, you made yourself very vulnerable, so I appreciate that. It's always good to have somebody on that is honest with them, with us and then with themselves. So, like I said, thanks for sharing everything. I appreciate it. And like uh, Nick said, I do look forward to reading your blogs because the one you sent in the group chat was uh, very good. I enjoyed it. And, uh, Deuce, you know, I've told you we're building a community here. Now people want to talk to you about whatever, child care, finding yourself, the victim, anything. They're open to, to contact you? Yes, please contact me. I'm, I'm obviously have a lot of free time. On and, and, and to party, because Doof yes. is wild. Do you want to I, I, I will love to share some, any of my stories backpacking through Europe and, and the weird pivotal moments. Like, I, I guess that's something I, I, I don't share very often because I've, I've had some outrageous things happen in my my short life. Um, just backpacking through <laughs> backpacking through my emotions. I say backpacking through Europe, but like I was really backpacking through my emotions. And I have some. I I remember waking up on yachts in Croatia and and doing all these things and like having all these pivotal moments and not acknowledging them. And uh, I look back now and. I, the memory of just the radical party that I, I got myself into and the, the bottle service in, in Romania that I, I sneaked my way into, snuck, sneaked, who knows. I, I had a lot of growth through those too. So if you want to you wanna get a little vulnerable and party, I am also your girl. My Instagram, I'm sure is, I, it, can it be added to something? I don't know. Yeah, my Instagram is... My first name, uh, shortened, Dauphin, N, um, and that's pretty much my handle on all my things besides Twitter. My Twitter is a secretive place, and I, um, I would love to hear from some people. It would mean the absolute world to me. Fantastic. I appreciate you coming on, and I hope to see you soon traveling again when this whole virus thing is done, but... Stay safe in Michigan and, and keep finding yourself and keep spreading uh, that good word with your blog. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jake. Thank you for listening to me. I have a lot to say all the time, so it's always nice to be able to share it with people. I enjoyed it. Thanks for sharing. <laughs>